Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, if you're just joining with us, we are in the middle of a message series entitled Follow. My name is Terry and one of the pastors here. It's great to have you with us here at Ocean View, especially if it's your first time. To kind of catch everyone up to speed, we began this message series last week. And just to kind of give you the gist of it, um, every year we like to take a few weeks to be able to just do something different. Um, If you're visiting, it's a very different message series because typically uh, we end up talking specifically about a lot of different life principles that kind of can touch you no matter um, what your background is, whether you go to church, whether you don't go to church, whether you're a Christian, whether you're not a Christian. Um, and so whether you have a relationship with Jesus Christ um, or you don't in this room, um, you are welcome to be here. We're excited that you're here. And we believe many times when we open the Bible and we take a look at some of the wisdom and the principles in which he gives us, um, no matter whether you believe in him or don't, um, we believe it has the power to change your life. And so every year um, I like to take a few weeks and just um, target a message specifically specifically to the church. And so if you're visiting, um, these weeks, last week, this week, and next week are really, really designed specifically for Ocean View Baptist Church. It's, it's a message to Christians. It's a message to the body. Now, here's the good news. If you're not a Christian or if you don't come to this church often, you're visiting with us, um, I think it'll be great for you because you get to see exactly um, what we challenge ourselves with as a church specifically. But more importantly, what the Bible and what God has to say to people who go to church or people who are Christians. And so with that being said, last week, um, we launched with a brand new mission statement as a church. And I want to remind you of what that is. So our mission statement as a church is this. We are here because we want to help people follow Jesus, helping people follow Jesus. So on the count of three, I want to hear everyone out there say, helping people follow Jesus. Ready? One, two, three. Wow, that sounded like you were in the dentist office waiting for a root canal. I think we could do better than that. Ready? One, two, three. Much better. It's like you're actually excited to be here this morning. That's great. Um, And we said that no matter what, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, overall, if you go to this church, our mission is to come alongside of everyone. It doesn't matter their background, doesn't matter their belief system, but to come alongside with them, to love them, but more importantly, that through a relationship, be able to answer questions, be able to guide them, and then as they specifically have questions about Jesus Christ, we're there to be able to help them have those answers and help introduce them to who Jesus is in their life. Now, here's the truth. How do we help people follow Jesus? Last week, we talked about our strategy and we, we listed our strategy. I want to read it to you right now. Our strategy is to create environments where people are encouraged and equipped to pursue intimacy with God, up, community with insiders, in, and influence with outsiders. I'll say it one more time. We're here to create environments where people are encouraged and equipped to pursue intimacy with God, build their relationship with Jesus, up, community with insiders, among other believers in Christ to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to build relationship, and last but not least, and have influence with those outside the church. Now, here's the thing. Many of us look those outside the church. Unfortunately, many times some Christians will look at those outside the church and they will have a negative opinion about those outside the church. But here's what we need to remember. Those outside the church are children of God. Those outside the church that think differently, look differently, act differently, they're children of God. And Jesus loves them just as much as he loves you. 
And we have to remember that. And so today, we're going to kind of mix things up. Last week, we talked specifically about our personal relationship with Christ. And if you were here last week, you remember me talking about all of us at one time had our hands on the steering wheel and said, I make the decisions in my life. And we talked about when you have a relationship with Christ, you say, I'm willing to let go of the steering wheel. I'm willing to look at what God says in his word. And if his word says to do something, I let go of the steering wheel and say, I need to do what he wants me to do. When we do that, we're on the team. Remember last week? We're on the team. We're a Christian. We're going to go to heaven. It's awesome. But we said as a church, it's not good enough to just be on the team because Jesus wants us to get in the race. And our goal as Christians is to never just sit on the bench, but always be in the race, running the race that God has for us. That was us talking about our upward relationship with Christ. Today, we're going to focus on our outward relationship, building influence with outsiders. So take a look at this. We're here to build influence with those outside the church. We're to have eyes that see differently every single day of the week, looking at those outside the church with a specific focus. And we're going to tell a few stories today from the Bible that challenge us as a church of how we're to respond, especially when it comes to reaching those or talking to others about Jesus Christ. Now, let me set the platform today of where we're going, because some of you might be in the Bible a lot, some of you might not. We're going to talk about an experience between two people groups. We have Roman soldiers, call them guards. The guards are hanging out at a tomb, and they got a job to do. And we have two individuals. They both have the same name to make it easy for us. One is by the name of Mary Magdalene. The other's name is Mary. And that Mary, believe it or not, is the sister of Jesus' mom, Mary. They both have the same name. Yes, it's kind of weird. A lot of people had Mary as a name. She's Jesus' aunt. And so Mary Magdalene, Mary the aunt of Jesus, they're also about to meet at the tomb. So you have the guards. You have the Marys. Sounds like a music group. And we're about to tell the story about how God had a specific intervention in their lives. But more importantly, we're going to take a look at how the guards reacted. And we're going to take a look at how the Marys reacted. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to start in verse 1. Matthew is one of the Gospels. It's the good news. It tells the story about Jesus and his ministry. And so if you have your Bibles, Matthew 28, or you can follow along on the TV screen, or if you have your iPads, iPhones, or if you download the YouVersion Bible app, You get all the notes provided for you so you don't have to write them down. Here we go. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Okay, So the Marys, they're taking a walk. Now I want to set the stage for you. What just happened, Terry? Well, if you're new to Christianity, Jesus Christ, last week we talked a lot about what he did on a cross. Jesus just hung himself on a cross, allowed himself to be impaled on a cross, and he died for our sins. Not just Christian sins, he died for everybody's sin. He gave a free gift to all of us. It's a free gift that we can all freely accept. And as he died, they took his body off the cross and they put it in a tomb. This is the tomb that the Marys are walking up to. Now, let's imagine this. The Marys were bringing burial spices The Marys were coming in grieving. The Marys were coming to what normally happens in life. There is a tomb, there is a dead body, and this is not pretty, we're sad, and this is how we're supposed to act because this is regular life. The guards are hanging out in front of the tomb. The guards' job was to make sure that nothing 
happened extraordinary. The guard's job was to make sure that there's a dead body in the tomb. It needs to stay there and only the normal, natural path of life should happen. So guards, you're guarding the status quo. You make sure nothing changes. So you have two people groups, Mary and Mary and guards, and they're both wanting to make sure or expecting the natural status quo to occur. But that's when Jesus shows up. And let's take a look at this. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. The Mary's expecting the status quo. The guards expecting the status quo. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord comes, an earthquake happens, and anything but the status quo occurs. Now I can promise you Mary and Mary didn't expect what they saw. I can promise you the guards we're going to see in a second did not expect what they saw. And the truth is in my life, I feel like the Mary and Marys and I feel like the guards because there are many a day in my life that I wake up and I know the sun's going to rise at a certain time. I know that I'm going to get hungry at a certain time. I know I'm going to go to this place on Sunday at a certain time. I know I'm going to do this at church on Sunday for a certain time. I know I'm going to be starving and exhausted at the end of my day. I'm going to go to Publix and get a Publix sub because it's really, really good. And you should go to Publix and get a Publix sub, but it's really, really good. And then I'm going to go home and I'm going to watch some football. I'm going to see my team lose because they're not really good. It's the status quo. And that's when God smacked me this week when I was prepping and said, Terry, shame on you because I'm alive in you. And every day of your life, I have the opportunity to do something extraordinary in your life. But every morning you wake up and you don't expect me to show up. You expect the status quo. You're guarding the natural order of life instead of expecting me to do something incredible. And so that's my question for our church. Christians, when you get up in the morning, when you approach Thanksgiving week, are you expecting Jesus to do anything different in your life? Or are you just doing the status quo? If you're doing the status quo, I want you to pay really close attention because I want you to see the reactions between the guards and Mary and Mary because there is one group that is going to do what we all should do every day. There's another group that unfortunately does what a lot of us do every day. Let's take a look at this. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. The guards not expecting anything supernatural, the guards wanting to guard the status quo, the normal way of life, were not expecting it, not happy about it, and it shook them so much that they fell into a faint, which means they stopped Moving. In fact, this is the response of the guardians if you're really breaking it down. The guardians of the status quo get stuck. They fell. They fainted. They fell straight down. Here's the point. Here's what I want to make sure that you guys understand. That if you're sitting there today and you wake up every day and you don't expect Jesus to do anything in your life, then you're stuck. And when you're stuck, nothing extraordinary happens in your life. When you're stuck, you don't leave any room for Jesus to do anything different. And here's the truth. And if we're honest in this room, there are many of us, whether you're a Christian or not, that want our lives to change for the better. There are many of us that every day we've got problems, we've got stresses, and we want Jesus to help our lives. But are you expecting him to do it? 
Or are you stuck? Guardians of what's most comfortable miss out on miracles. When you say, I want everything the same, I'm comfortable, Terry. I don't want anything to change like the guards. No one's getting in. Jesus isn't getting out. Nothing's going to happen. I like my life the way it is. I'm comfortable. When you act like that, then you miss out on miracles. But here's one of the most important things that God showed me. He said, Terry, the guards fainted, which meant they didn't move. Guardians don't move. Now, here's the thing, church. Again, I'm I'm talking to the church. If you're a Christian, you're the church. The church is not a building. The church are the people. In Acts chapter 2, you don't need to turn there. God specifically showed us what the church is. The church never was designed to be a building. The church were always supposed to be the people. The church never meant let's have a holy huddle, come together, let's celebrate together, and it's just us four and no more. That's not biblical. That's not the church. The church was always moving. The people of God came together, and they were on mission. As they came together, they prayed, and they looked for opportunities to help people follow Jesus. They moved every week. They moved every day. They said, Jesus, we want you. And they moved. If our church wants to be an incredible body of Christ and do extraordinary things, we need to approach our days expecting God to do incredible things in and through us. We need to look for opportunities to move and to help people follow Jesus. And when we do that, extraordinary things will happen. But I can promise you this. You can drive along here. You can drive around this country and there are churches that are dying every day. And do you want to know why they're dying? Because they've forgotten their mission. And when you forget your mission, you don't move. And when you don't move, you become a monument. And when you become a monument, people come and they say, look at the beautiful building. Look at all the pieces that are in here. Aren't they beautiful? But then the building becomes empty. And it's no longer a church. It's a monument. So I want you to see what happens now. The guards, they don't move. I want you to see what Mary Mary does. Take a look at this. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Come see where his body's laying. Now watch this. Don't miss this. And now go quickly. Tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I've told you. The angel of the Lord says to the women, I want you to go quickly. I want you to move. I want you to remember if you're here and a part of our church, it means this. Terry, I never want you to forget your mission. You constantly have to be on mission. Every day you need to move. Don't be comfortable, get uncomfortable because I will be with you when you do. Let me kind of explain this another way, illustrate this. Several years ago, um, I was asked to go speak at University Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. It was literally about a stone's throw from NASA, the Houston Space Center. And what typically happens when I go and I, I, I'll consult with churches or speak at churches, what usually happens is, is they will fly me out on a Friday morning, I will speak on a Friday night, I will speak on a Saturday morning, and I will fly back Saturday afternoon and come back. A really quick trip. So I'm talking with this church. They said, yep, yeah, we, we have a, a big leaders meeting at NASA, at the Space Center. We'd love for you to speak there. I'm like, oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be great. And then the next morning, a training, and I said, great. So you're going to fly me up Friday morning? They said, yeah, we can do that. Well, 
Later in the week, I get my flight itinerary sent from University Baptist Church. And the itinerary said, fly out Thursday night and then be there all day Friday and then come back Saturday. And I remember thinking, oh, I've got a young family. I don't want to be away from my family a lot. This, this is one more night. And what happened here? And so I get on the phone and I call them and I said, hey, is there a mistake? Do we need to change this? And they said, well, no, we, we, you know, it was going to be a little bit of a tight turnaround, but you could have made it. But we, we found out that we had the opportunity to have you take a tour of NASA, you know, of the Space Center. So we just assumed that you would love to do that. I said, oh, okay, great, you know, no problem, and I hung the phone up. Well, for those of you who don't know me, I live in Florida. I've been to Cape Canaveral several times. I've been on the tour at Cape Canaveral several times. I have seen the Space Center in and out, this and that. So when they say, oh, you can take another tour of a Space Center, I'm thinking, oh, great, I get to see the same stuff. I'd rather be with my family. Um, So I wasn't that excited. They called me later in the day and they said, well, you know, Terry, um, if you want to bring your family, you could bring your family with. So I go to my wife and I say, honey, I said, do you want to come with me? Because they're going to do a tour of the Space Center. Well, Connor was really litter at the time, little at the time, and it's hard to pack up at the last minute and take all that stuff and everything. She says, what is it going to be? I said, oh, it's just the tour, you know. And she goes, well, we've been on tours before. I'm like, I know. And she's like, no, I'll just stay home. I'm like, okay, all right. So I fly out on Thursday. I spend the night. Friday morning, I, I meet the gentleman. He picks me up in his car and we're driving toward the Space Center. And there's the big sign that says, turn in. And we go past it. So I'm just doing small talk with him, but I'm thinking the guy missed the turn. Talk, 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 talk. And then finally I said, well, is that the turn back there? He goes, oh, no, no, we're not going that way. He said, no, we're, we're, we're going a different route. We're, we're getting something different. I said, what? He said, you'll see. So we pull in to where all the employees pull in for NASA. We go to the guard gate and we pull in a little parking lot and we sit there. And I'm like, what's going on? He says, well, he said, Terry, you're going to have the opportunity to meet a real astronaut. His name is Shane Kimbrough. Now, I'll, just for you to know, Shane is actually going to go on the International Space Center in the next few months for six months. Shane's been in space twice. And I looked at him, I go, I get to meet a real astronaut? He goes, yeah. And he's actually going to give you the tour. I was like, you know, through where all the people are? He's like, oh, no, 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 no. We're going inside NASA headquarters. You get behind the scenes. You get to go into every aspect. So I'm looking at him and I am starstruck. I meet this astronaut. I got to be honest, I got a man crush. The guy was amazing. (laughs) My jaw was dropped. He was a buff, amazing, awesome guy. He starts walking through. I'm like a little kid. I'm talking to him. I'm asking millions of questions. And then we go and we, I sat in actual mission headquarters. I looked into space and saw the space station and the people talking. Then he says, well, come on over here. And we go through a hallway and we open a door. And I walked into the space center where the famous phrase, Houston, we have a problem, happened. And I sat in the commander's chair and picked up that phone, which was, for you young people, you have no idea what that is. That's called a telephone. It's different. And it's red on purpose. But that was the phone they used to call the president when there was a problem. And I'm sitting there and I look up and all the people on the tour are behind glass looking down and I'm sitting in the chairs. I went to their training site. I met astronauts. I got pins. I got pictures. I got invited to go to lunch with the astronauts. It was amazing until I had to call my wife. And I said, honey, it was boring. You wouldn't have liked it at all. Um, But don't miss this point. I'm on the flight there. 
I had a picture in my head of what it was going to be. It was going to be the status quo. I was not excited. And it was just going to be another regular day. Instead, it turned out to be one of the most incredible moments of my life. I feel as if we as Christians do that all the time. I feel as if we approach every day and we don't understand that we have the King of Kings, the most incredible, most incredible person, God in our life that has the opportunity to change our day. But we just are guardians of the status quo. Instead, we need to be like Mary. And listen, because watch what Mary did after the angel said to go. Take a look. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. They rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. The women ran quickly. The angel of the Lord said, you need to go. And the women ran Every day, Jesus has a different mission for all of us. Terry, you're going to meet this person. Go. Terry, I'm prompting your heart. You need to stop and talk to this person. Go. Terry, you're not doing the right thing. You need to stop now. And how many of us tune out God and say, I'm too busy. I like the status quo. But the Marys, they took off. The Marys, they moved. They were the church and they ran, continuing on. And as they went... I love this. Don't miss this. Jesus met them and greeted them and they ran to him, grasped his feet and worshiped him. Don't miss this because when I was at my desk, here's what God said to me as your pastor. He said, Terry, how many times do I speak to you about the church or your personal life and you don't move? Well, let me tell you something, Terry. When you don't move and you don't listen, I promise I will not be with you in those moments. But here's my promise. When you act like a shepherd of a church, when you act like the church, when you do what I call you to do and you move, here's my promise. I will meet you and I will be there and it will be extraordinary. You want to see me move in incredible waves? Then move. Did you know that you have a purpose, church? Did you know that you weren't just put on this earth to sit and make it all about you. Whether you're a Christian or not, that's not your purpose. It was never about us. In fact, there's a man who wrote a book that sold over 30 million copies called The Purpose Driven Life. His name's Rick Warren, and he is out at Saddleback Church in California. The youth pastor, Doug Fields, and I are friends, and I've been able to talk to him um, several times about this man and about his um, just amazing book that he wrote about Christians. But I want to show you an excerpt from this book about how you and I can make sure we're the church. How do we make sure that we're focused? Take a look at this. It's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambition. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. If you are a believer in Christ or you're not, you have a purpose. And that purpose is very simple. It's based in scripture in the same chapter we're looking at later on. And here's your purpose. Take a look at this. Therefore go, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit 
Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It means this, body of Christ, church, that when you fulfill your purpose, you're on mission. When you fulfill your purpose, you're helping people follow Jesus. When you help people follow Jesus, Jesus says, I will be with you because you're fulfilling your purpose. It's not about you and you're on mission. What happens to a church that refuses to accept its mission? Take a look at this. This is from Oswald J. Smith. Any church not involved in the Great Commission has forfeited its biblical right to exist. Do you want to know why there are churches dying? It's not because Jesus doesn't have power. It's because they've lost their purpose. Now, if you're taking notes, this might seem a little heavy-handed, but I need this from time to time to smack me over the head to remind me of my purpose. Take a look at this. You fulfill your purpose when you think of others before yourself. You fulfill your purpose when you serve others expecting nothing in return. You fulfill your purpose when you love those that don't look like you or act like you. You fulfill your purpose when you love those that do think differently than you and do believe differently than you. Let me ask you a question, church. How many of you actively right now are pursuing relationships with three or four people that don't think like you, act like you, talk like you, or believe like you? If your answer is, Terry, I got nobody, then you're not on mission. And you're missing it because the church was never meant to be a holy huddle of Christians. It was meant to be a body of people that were going out to be on mission to see Jesus do something incredible. Let me get a little bit tougher. Take a look at this. It's time to stop nodding your head. It's time to start saying, send me. It's time to stop complaining and start celebrating what God's doing. It's time to stop going to church and it's time to start to fulfill your purpose. Let me close with this. Back in September, for those of you who don't know, I have a 10-year-old son. His name is Connor. He turned 10 years old at the end of September. And four years ago this month was the last time that we had taken Connor to Disney World. We had driven up stopped at Disney World, and then came here and started our journey here with Ocean View Baptist Church. And we went, as Floridians, we go to Disney all the time. And so Connor, back then, he had been to Disney all the time. Loved it. Amazing memories, incredible. So my wife and I, since it's been four years since we'd gone, we thought for his birthday, what a great trip to surprise him the day of fly down to Disney and take him to Disney. He's going to love it. He's going to make, it's going to be amazing. So during that week leading up, we promised each other, don't slip. You're going to hide everything, pack, you know, privately, don't slip. So all of a sudden it's getting close to Connor's birthday. He says, you know, daddy, are we going to do something for my birthday? Yeah, buddy. Well, you know, what do you want to do? You know, I'm just trying to get the conversation off. And he says, well, can we have a party? And we were going to have a party at Disney. I'm like, yeah, we can have a party, buddy. It'd be great. Okay, well, can my friends come? Sure, your friends can come. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and just keep going. We get closer. He's like, well, Dad, can I have a sleepover? So in my mind, here's how I justify not lying to my kid. Yeah, we'll have a sleepover later. Not this weekend, but later. Yeah, we'll have a sleepover. Sure, it'll be your birthday party. It'd be great. You'll love it. We get to the day before his birthday, which is the day we were going to leave. We pack a little bag, and in it we put a little printout with 
and the words of Mickey wants to celebrate your birthday with you at Disney on it. So we give him the bag. He goes in, we're like, buddy, we got an early birthday gift to give you. Yeah. So right off the bat, I got my phone, getting ready to video it. So he tears into the bag, pulls the tissue paper out, and he grabs the piece of pipe and right off the bat, he opens it, and his face goes, and I'm like, yes, he's going to be ecstatic. He's going to be great. He's going to love it. And he says, Mickey wants to celebrate your birthday at Disney. When? Today. We're leaving today. We're going to Disney. Today? What about the sleepover? What about my friends? I thought I was having a sleepover tomorrow. You said I was having a party. You said I was having my friends. Yes, but Disney, Mickey Mouse, it's going to be great. You're going to love it. And he's like, so then I literally said to him, stop your crying. We're getting on a plane and go to Disney World. It's going to be fun. So watch what happens. My son came to the table expecting the status quo. My son didn't want to change it. My son started to complain and whine, kick and scream because all he knew was I want to be comfortable. I want what I want. I know this. I know my friends. I know what a sleepover is. I don't remember what Disney is. I don't know what happens there. I don't know that it's going to be fun. I've forgotten all that. It's been four years, which we had forgotten. Wish I would have had that in clink. Um, And so he didn't want to change. What I do love is that the third day in, we're walking around Disney, and he was having a blast. And it was just him, he and I, and I leaned over to him and I said, Connor, I said, are you glad you came to Disney? And he looked at me and he goes, yeah, Dad. Thanks for taking to me. Am I still going to get a sleepover, though? (laughs) I said, yes, we'll, we'll do a sleepover. We'll do a sleepover. There are many of us in this church that sometimes we kick and scream like a 10-year-old who wants a sleepover party. I want my life to continue as I want it. I want it exactly the way I want it. I don't want it to change. And Jesus is trying his best to speak into your heart and mine to say there is so much more. There is so much more that I have for you. If you would just trust me, be on mission. There are some of you here that don't go to church, that maybe don't even have a relationship with Jesus. And all I would tell you is there is far better life with Jesus in it. And that life is incredible and extraordinary if you allow it to be. Because he's offering it to you. Will we be a church that builds influence with outsiders, helping them to follow Jesus? That's the question facing our church. I, as your pastor, am committed to being the shepherd that says, I want to get uncomfortable and I want to help people to follow Jesus. Will you join us in seeing what God can do? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for speaking today to our hearts. 
I pray for the person in this room that is not close to you right now. I pray that they would sense you, that they would understand that you want to give them life and life everlasting. I pray for the person that's run from you. I pray that they would recognize and realize you are faithful to forgive if they just turn, look you in the eyes and say, Father, forgive me. I pray for the weary. I pray that they would know that you will meet them while you're on mission and give you the strength that you need. God, I pray that we would be the church in this area that says yes to being uncomfortable and says yes to following you. We love you, Lord, and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.